Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for the message of the resurrection and how it impacts us today. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for imparting, our, uh, imparting upon the hearts the things that you'd want them to walk away with. And we thank you only you can do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Real quick, let me go to 1 Timothy 4.13. And so we had uh, every Christmas, Joanne likes me to read the Christmas story. Well, I don't have very often do we actually stop and spend the time to read the resurrection story. And so we're going to actually read the resurrection story this morning. And we're going to read it from the book of Luke and the, look of jo- the book of John. So it's going to be a little lengthy, but we're actually going to read the story. I think it's interesting to do it. And I'll slide in some comments from there to there. But first look at 1 Timothy 4.13. Paul told Timothy, till I come, give attention to reading. Say reading. To exhortation, to doctrine. So to reading. Well, that's not novels or side books. No, it's the public reading of the Word of God. And to exhortation and doctrine from that Word of God. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's go to the book of Luke, verse, uh, chapter 24. Look at verse 1. We're going to read the resurrection story from Luke and John. So Luke 24.1 says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, since the first day of the week, what day is that? Sunday. That's Sunday. And so you wonder, why did they celebrate in the Old Testament on Saturday, but the church celebrates on Sunday? Most of the, from years past and from the very beginning of the early church, they started celebrating on Sunday. Why? Because that's the day Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's the demarcation from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is that Jesus rose from the dead and made a change. And so that's why most churches celebrate. Now, we can celebrate any day. That's why, historically, churches have worshipped on Sunday. Now, the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other women came with them. So it was a, a group of women that came, came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. Hopefully, there's somehow that they could get someone to roll that stone away so they could anoint his body for burial. And so look at verse 2. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Say, the stone rolled away. away. We're going to find out that an angel actually rolls the stone away. I have a question for you this morning. Why did an angel need to roll that stone away? Well, some people say, well, Jesus needed to get out. He's in there banging, let me out. Let me, no, no. That's not the reason why the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away to let everybody else in to see that it was empty because Jesus could walk through walls and so he was able, he was able to come out of that tomb even that stone was in the way. Verse 3, then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. That's why the stone was moved away. Verse 4, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold two men stood by them in shining garments. Who do you think these two men were? They were angels, angels. And so verse 5 says, Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? That's a great question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. All right, you're, you're much quicker in the first service. Hallelujah. You're awake. All right. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. 
I think we need to remember his words. And then they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now here were the ladies that were there. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. The first evangelists in the word of God are women. And the women say, Amen. Amen. Well, don't, don't stop now. Keep it going. Amen. Verse 11, and their words seemed to them, these men, idle tales, and they did not believe them. You have a bunch of believing women and a bunch of unbelieving men. Praise God. Verse 12, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of these things that happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? They were, they were walking and they were what? Sad. sad. They were having a sad conversation. What manner of conversation? A sad conversation. There's a lot of Christians having sad conversations. That we ought not be having sad conversations. Verse 18. Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which are happening there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And he's walking right by. Who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And so they heard this message, and they're still sad. How many Christians have heard of the resurrection of Jesus, and they walk around sad? There's no reason to be sad if you'll believe the words. And it says, and then this is what Jesus said. And then verse 25, it says, and then he said to them, oh, foolish ones. That's not a good way to have the Lord start out talking to you. <laughs> oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? At the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I would love to have heard that sermon. All the types and shadows. Verse 28. And then they drew near to a village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And he said to one, they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us? First example of heartburn in the Bible. <laughs> Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? While he opened up the scriptures to us. Raise your hand if you want God to talk with you. Well, if you'll open up the scriptures, he'll talk with you as he opens the scriptures to you. 
And verse 20, 33, so they arose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed. Well, I already got it for you right there. And has appeared to Simon, and they told him the things that had happened on the road and how he had known to them and the, was known in the breaking of the bread. That's communion. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst and said to them, peace to you. What did he say? peace to you that's the message of this day that everyone that he wants to save jesus was here he would say to you because i was raised from the dead i speak peace peace to you in the old testament is the word shalom it's an all-encompassing word it means prosperity it means health it means wholeness it means freedom from fear freedom from anxiety it's not just something you just throw out there it's pregnant with meaning and carries all of the power of God with it. He said, peace to you. Tell someone, peace to you. Peace. Peace to you. Verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened. There are many that Jesus has spoken peace over you, and you're still terrified and frightened. Why? Because you got your eyes on your circumstances. You got your eyes on you. You don't have your eyes on Jesus. Tell someone, don't be a navel-gazer. He said, peace to you, but they were terrified and frightened. And suppose they had seen a ghost or spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? He's still asking that question to Christians, to believers. Why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet. He's saying, behold me. Behold me. Behold my hands and my feet. That it, is e that it is I myself, I'm glad he clarified, it's I myself, handle me and see, say see, see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He says flesh and bones. What's missing there? Blood. At that point he had raised from the dead, went up into heaven, deposited his blood on the mercy seat of heaven and came back down. And now he says flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still did not believe, they did not, well, look at this. They did not believe for joy. They did not believe for joy, okay? And marveled and said to them, have you any food here? So he's going to prove to him he's, he's not a ghost or whatever. So he gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in his presence. And when he ate it, it didn't fall to the ground. He has, a, he has a glorified body, a resurrected body, and this is another benefit of Resurrection Day that we are celebrating is that we'll always get to eat because <laughs> we're going to have a glorified body just like Jesus, and we're going to get to eat with no calories gaining weight. And we're redeemed from the Old Testament. We can have bacon. <laughs> Amen. If someone felt the spirit there. Like. <laughs> Verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Raise your hand if you'd like that. Amen. Be in agreement for that. Now, let's get to the John, and then we're going to talk about the meaning of resurrection. Then we're going to talk about the result 
of resurrection this morning. So let's uh, continue on in the book of John, the story of the resurrection. John 20, look at verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene. Say Mary Magdalene. Mary. Who's Mary Magdalene? Well, if you, if you have studied back and looked at Mary Magdalene, was Mary Magdalene one of the most pious women that, that was in the Bible? One of the ones that were sinless? And No, Mary Magdalene had a checkered past. Ask someone if you had a checkered past. Very few of us have not had a checkered past. But Mary Magdalene, actually, it says that seven demons were cast out of this woman. Seven is for completion. She was completely controlled by the devil. And Jesus set her free, and she's the first one that Jesus is going to appear to. And the first evangelist. Tell someone there's hope for you. Tell someone else there's really hope for you. Hallelujah. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, who's the other disciple whom Jesus loved? John. Do you know that this phrase is used a number of times in the gospel about this is the disciple whom Jesus loved? You know what gospel that's always found in? John. He loved practicing the love of God for him. And so you'd find that there. So really he's talking about John. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to John and said to them, They had taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, John, and were going to the tomb. Now there was always competition between these two boys. From the very beginning to the very end, and I want you to see something here that John just can't help himself but write. The Holy Spirit said, damn, amen, not right. Well, I just can't help it, Jesus. At least it's true. I'm going to put it down because it's true. And it says there was an amazing race. Verse 4. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. Just got to put it down. I left him in my dust and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, he's more respectful of the dead. But Simon Peter went in, barreling into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. And the handkerchief, that's the headpiece, had been around, that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together Neatly in a place by itself. Jesus makes his bed. <laughs> then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples, <coughs> the disciples went, his, went their way again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other sitting at his feet. Now, as they're sitting, I don't believe they're cross-legged. They're kneeling, sitting in a kneeling position, facing each other. One's at the head, one at the feet, looking at one another. 
And so in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant had how many angels? One on either side overseeing where the Savior, the sacrifice, the blood would put. And so right there in the tomb is a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And it says, verse 13, And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Every time you see Jesus appearing, they didn't recognize him. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians 15? It says when you take a seed and you bury it in the ground, when it comes up, it looks different. It doesn't look the same that it went in. Do you know that Jesus looked different when he was resurrected? But, but that's no wonder. Guess what? When you accepted Jesus and you were raised with him inside you, you look different. It's also something you look different than you used to. And then one day you're going to look a little bit better. I know you're glorious. But you're going to be more glorious when you have a resurrection body. Hallelujah. And so Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned, she recognized his voice. And turned and said, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father. To my God and your God. He was before just my God, my Father, but now he's your Father and your God. Notice he says, don't cling to me, for I've not ascended to my Father. We just read a story where he says, handle me, touch me. For, for a body that, you know, doesn't have, uh, a person doesn't have bones and, and flesh and bones like you have. So what, why did Jesus say, handle me there, but don't handle me now? I've not yet ascended. Why? Because he had not yet gone to the throne to give his blood on the mercy seat. But when he came back, he says, now you can touch me. Now you can handle me. And says, don't cling to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father, your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what she had seen of the Lord and that he had spoken the things to her. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, say the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. How did he get in? Walk through the wall. In a glorified body one day, you'll be able to walk through walls. Don't try it now, you'll bloody your nose. Oh, I'm glorified. I've heard Christians say, well, I feel I'm in a glorified body. Try to walk through the wall. That's... Your deception shall end. <laughs> Jesus stood, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. That's his message to you. Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad and they saw the Lord. You know what? You'll be glad when you see the Lord. So many people are so sad it's because you're not looking at the Lord. So Jesus said to them again. You know, a lot of times he's like, well, he said peace to you. It's like, yeah, but you don't know my problems. You don't know my health situation. You don't know my financial situation. 
You don't know the relationship situation I'm in. Not you two. <laughs> you don't know the problems that I have. And so he's already told you peace, but then he says, no, no, I'm serious. Again, I say peace. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Peace. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Now this was a resurrection breath, so it was, it was, it was good. <laughs> Received him, received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they were forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came, and the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see the hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He was an unbelieving believer. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came again through the, war, through the door, through the wall, I guess. The doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Guys, are you getting this? He says three times, peace, peace, peace to you. Well, that's just a nice thing to say. No, no, no. God's peace contains everything you need. It contains your victory. It contains your healing. It contains your prosperity, your provision, your victory. It contains everything. And he's saying this to you on this day. Peace. Receive it. He said, reach out your finger and look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And that's what he's saying to us. Look at me. Look at me. Believe. There's three steps this morning. Look at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Keep on looking at Jesus. Receive his peace. Receive his shalom. So let's talk about the meaning. That's the story, what happened. What's the meaning? Jesus was raised from the dead to give proof of a number of things. What is the proof, the first thing that Jesus' resurrection proved? Look in Romans chapter 1, look at verse 4. Romans 1, look at verse 4. And Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. What's the first thing the resurrection from the dead proved about Jesus is he was different than any other human being, that he was the Son of God. Well, pastor, many people were raised from the dead. There were some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament. Yeah, but wait a minute. They were raised from the dead. They weren't resurrected from the dead. What's the difference? Raised from the dead means you were raised in the, in the state you were, and then you lived a little bit longer, but they all died again. Jesus is different than any other human being. He raised from the dead, but yes, in a resurrection body, a glorified body that will never die again. And he was declared to be the Son of God. 
But wait one, one day, when you get raised up too, you're going to be declared to be sons of God. That's you too, ladies, if I'm a bride of Christ. So the first meaning of the resurrection, it was proof that he was the son of God. And so next, look at Romans 4, look at verse 25. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is proof that you're forgiven of your sins. All you have to do is say, is that tomb empty or is there a dead person there? Raise your hand if you believe that tomb's empty. It's proof you're forgiven. Well, how do you know, Pastor? Well, this verse right here. Romans 4, look at verse 25 in the New King James. It brings out the Greek language accurately. Romans 4, look at verse 25. Who was delivered, Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses. Raise your hand if you've ever committed sins, trespasses, and offenses in your life. All right, this is for, he was delivered up because of you. Turn and look at somebody. Now, now do this. Well, I never. I come and get insulted in the church. Well, sweetheart, until you realize he died for you, you can't receive him as your savior. Who was delivered up because of our offenses, but was raised because of? The King James says for our justification. No, that's not good Greek language. It's the same, the same setup as because of our offenses. We were raised because of our justification. What's that saying? Because Jesus' sacrifice, his shed blood was accepted by the Father as payment, the proof that you have been forgiven and been declared innocent and been, been redeemed and been ransomed, the proof is that Jesus rose from the dead. Because once your sins were paid for, he had none of himself, so death couldn't keep him. And the proof that he came up out of that grave is proof you're forgiven. Tell someone you're forgiven. You're forgiven. How forgiven? Completely forgiven? Now, if you haven't accepted Jesus, you have to accept for forgiveness. It's not automatic. You need to accept it. Believe upon him raised from the dead. So it's proof that he was the Son of God. It's proof that you've been forgiven of all your sins. Next of all, I want you to see that it is proof that Jesus' resurrection is going to lead to your resurrection physically one day. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 19 through 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 through 20. It's also proof that there's hope. There's hope. It says, now in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Say first fruits. If there's a first fruits, then there's second, third, and last, and moving forward. So, guys, there's more to come. I want you to look at 1 Peter. I want you to see that his raising from the dead is proof that you have hope in your life. Look at 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What, is, what was Jesus' resurrection proving? That you have a living hope 
in your life. Well, Pastor, I'm in a situation that's hopeless. I'm in a health situation. The doctor says it's hopeless. I'm in a financial situation where it's just tax day. The tax guy told me it's hopeless. I'm in a hopeless marriage. I'm in a hopeless work situation. I'm in a hopeless situation. Wait, wait a minute. You're thinking hope is an outcome. No, a Christian's hope is a person. His name is Jesus. And as long as you have a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, you have hope. You have hope. And I don't care what you're facing. It's a dead situation. It's deader than a doornail. There's no hope for it but God. Jesus is your living hope. Tell someone you have a living hope. That's the message and the, the meaning of the resurrection. You have hope. It was pretty dark when Jesus was in the tomb. But there's hope. Finally, what's the result of Jesus' resurrection? Well, Jesus was raised physically from the dead, but guess what? You were raised spiritually. When you're saved, you were raised with Christ spiritually in your spirit. Look at Colossians 2.12. I'm talking about the results in your life right now. What's the result of the resurrection? What does it matter? Well, it made a big difference in a believer, and it will if you don't know Jesus. You can accept him today and receive new life. Look at Colossians 2, look at verse 12. This is written to believers, Colossians 2, 12. You were buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him. Tell someone you were raised with him. Through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It's not just that Jesus rose from the dead, everybody saved automatic. It's through faith in the working of God. That causes you to be raised with him spiritually. And so through faith, you're raised with him. And look at, look at Romans 6, 4. You have the new birth because of who's raised from the dead. You could not have been born again if he had not raised from the dead. Because the new life of the new birth is the life of Jesus, resurrection life on the inside of you. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Tell someone you have newness of life inside you. Tell someone else, let it out, let it out, let it out. There's some oldness of life. It's a little stale. Newness. And what is the result going to be in our life? We're going to get a resurrection body one day. Jesus Christ, again, is the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. We're almost done. We're landing the plane. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. It says, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. What's that mean? Christ was raised, had a resurrection body. He's the only one, only human being in a resurrection body right now. He's in heaven in a resurrection body, and he's the only human that has one. He's the first fruits. But when he comes back, it'll be your turn. Tell someone your turn's coming. You're going. Don't leave yet. We come later. 
I love this uh, story in Joshua, and it pictures a beautiful type and shadow of Jesus entering into death, burial, and resurrection, and then we are going to come later. So look in the book of Joshua, I'll end with this. Joshua chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 3. The story is they're going to enter into, they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they're ready to enter into the promised land, they're ready to believe God, they have to cross the Jordan River. The word Jordan means death in Hebrew. The Jordan River is a river of death. They have to pass through this river to get it on the other side. And it says, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant... Now, everything in the Old Testament is a type of Jesus. The law, everything under the law, all the tabernacle, all the furniture, all the priest's garments, everything pictures Jesus. So the Ark of the Covenant is a picture of Jesus. I want you to see this. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Say, after it. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and the Ark of the Covenant. About 2,000 cubits by measure, paces. 2,000 paces between the Ark of the Covenant and the, the rest of the people. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. The Ark goes there first. Verse 13. Drop down to verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of death. The waters of Jordan. That the waters of death of Jordan shall be cut off. The waters of death will be cut off. And the waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand in a heap. Verse 14. So it was... When the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. How far were the people behind? 2,000 paces. Verse 15. And as those who bore the Ark came to Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped the, into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. The waters of death were rolled all the way back to a place called Adam. And the ark crossed over. And then the people 2,000 paces later, I believe prophetically 2,000 years, 2,000 years later, the, the, coming, the imminent coming of Jesus is coming. And it's your turn. Tell someone it's your turn. 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 Verse 16, and the waters which came down from upstream stood still, rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zeraton. So the waters that went down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, that's the Dead Sea. The waters of death went down to the Dead Sea. It was cut off all the way to Adam. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Praise God. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. Jesus, I thank you that you raised from the dead to prove you're the son of God. Father, to, 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 uh, to prove, Lord, that you have brought in an everlasting change, I thank you, Lord, that you were also to prove that we're going to come after you. But I thank you, Jesus, that you are our living hope. 
And the message today you're giving us is the same message you gave to the believers from the very beginning. You said peace. Again, I say peace. And again, I say peace to you. Behold me. Behold me and receive my peace. You say, Pastor, there's some things in my life that are pretty serious. Some things that doesn't seem like there's any hope, any light. And Jesus is just wanting you to look at him and receive his peace. And let his peace go to work and to save you, deliver you, heal you, deliver you, raise you up, raise that dead situation from the dead. You say, I'm going to get my eyes off me, get my eyes off my circumstances. I'm going to behold the Lamb of God. Raised from the dead for me. You say, I'm going to get my eyes on him. I'm going to receive peace today. Lift up your hands. Thank you, Father, for our hands that are raised. We're going to behold you. And we receive peace. Peace. And Father, I think angels are being released right now. Healing is being released. Provision being released. Because we behold the marks in your hands and your feet and your side. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your power and your glory. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. When we were praying this morning, uh, the Lord gave me uh, something I just feel like I, I, he wanted me to share. Um, most people know there was a veil that separated in the Old Testament. In the temple, there was a veil that separated. You could, you could only go so far. And when Jesus died and rose again that veil of separation was completely removed completely removed there is now no separation but the Lord showed me there's like for some people there's like an invisible wall it's not there except for in their thinking a wrong thinking there's nothing nothing that separates you from drawing near to God from receiving all that he has for you so whatever that thought is, whatever that issue is, whatever is, is, it literally is an invisible thing. Whatever that is, move it because God wants to draw near to you. As I woke up this morning, this scripture came to my heart. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus. Jesus Christ died for us. The Father loves you so much. He loves you so much. His heart is love toward you. And he gave Jesus his son. And Jesus came so that the Father could have intimacy with us. And the Lord, the Father is calling you into intimacy today. Sometimes we look at the Father as our earthly Father and see their shortcomings. He's nothing like that. He is love. He is good, always. And he's calling you today to come to meet your Father. 